right, then. Welcome to the Go show, ahead. Anthony Cavallari. I'm excited to have you on and to learn more about what you have to teach us today. Online, you said you wanted to educate people a bit more about the hero's journey and how to implement it into our lives and how the structure of reality at its core is interconnected with storytelling. Yeah. So <laughs> tell us a bit, a bit about who you are, yourself, and your background. Yes, my name is Anthony. Um, so thanks, Isaac, for having me on to the today's show. Um, yeah, a bit about myself. Uh, I'm Ogumen. So um, yeah, so my, my background and my study, my field is health science or sports science. Um, so that's where I kind of, I guess, learned more about the education and the physiology of the, of the actual body itself. Um, and I guess as a passion of mine for a long time has been writing and storytelling. And so um, I've had the pleasure of, of, I guess, studying these two different aspects, one physiology, science and the body, and then also storytelling and writing. Um, and so whilst studying those two things at the same time, um, I was able to see synchronicities and uh, things that are kind of related and interconnected between the two of them, which got me thinking a lot about how these hero's journey and narrative actually relates to the physiology of the body and how the actual structure of reality works itself as well. Um, so a bit about myself, man, I'm 28 years old. Um, I was, yeah, I grew up loving, like, I guess, watching a lot of movies, um, always fell in love with the the hero character as well. And watching these movies, I always felt like I related to that character. And I feel like a lot of kids did, and a lot of people still do. And, um, I think there's reason for that, um, good reason for that. And I think it's something that's innate within us. Um, and I got into, I think maybe in my teen years, man, I started researching uh, Carl Jung and then Joseph Campbell. And this kind of took me on this, like, I guess, Eastern philosophy and Western philosophy sort of um, path, man. And it just kind of spiraled from there and just love the, uh, love the, the, I guess, the thirst of knowledge and, and um, yeah, man, trying to integrate it into myself. And so now I've then developed a coaching business after my studies. So after I finished in 2020, I opened up my own coaching business called Pegasus Coaching um and pegasus because my last name's cavallari and cavallo in italian means horse so and then the pegasus is obviously a horse from greek myth but also it represents um growth as it's the constellation of spring and so that got me onto this journey of trying to interrelate and connect you know what i learned in sports science and pt that was my my job while i was at uni and then trying to bring on board the coaching aspect of that through narrative. Um, and so I did a wellness coaching course after that as well and integrated the two together. Um, when COVID hit, I then just actually swung off that completely. And when I've had two passions, man, the first passion is opening up a studio. Um, so like a fitness studio, a health studio. And the other one, the other goal is a animation production studio, because I feel like, you know, it's all well and good educating adults and people in their 20s and teens but a lot of this stuff happens at a, such a young age you know i think it's from zero to four your character's built and by zero to seven it's like your subconscious programming and so i felt like you know narrative and storytelling is really how we're going to shape the minds of, of the future generations and i'd love to be a part of that and and you know have these stories and narratives built around meaning purpose and um and the hero's adventure and and all that so that's kind of why and where i'm going with it all so then COVID hit, I ended up creating a comic book production company on blockchain where we publish books online. Um, and then uh, when COVID kind of settled, got back into the coaching business. And uh, now, man, next year, I'm going to travel the world in hopes to, to study a bit more about different um, modalities of training. So uh, I've broken it down to the four elements, so air, earth, fire, water, uh, the fifth element being ether or yourself. And so the goal now is to go out and travel and learn a bit more about each of these different pillars of health. So air would be the mind. So are you mentally fit? Uh, fire is the spirit. Are you spiritually fit? Earth is the body. Are you physically fit? And emotions are the soul um, or water is the soul or emotions. So are you emotionally fit? And then you are what can I connects all that, all that together. And so a lot of this is like esoteric knowledge um, that we're trying to combine and, and integrate together. Um, and what better way than to go out and live the hero's journey myself? All right. Interesting. So let's dive <laughs> in. Can you explain what the hero's journey is and why it's relevant Definitely. to our lives? Definitely, man. So the hero's journey is a 
is a storytelling framework that a lot of people use when developing, whether it's a movie or a, or a comic book. Um, but it was developed by Joseph Campbell, um, who was a mythologist. And so what he did was he studied a whole bunch of different myths from around the world, cultures that had no relation to one another and didn't know that each other existed. However, what he found was a common thread or a common framework within each of these narratives and each of these myths. And he created a monomyth or a single structure that most of these stories followed. And so that would be called the hero's journey. What that entails is you have uh, the hero who is living in the ordinary world, who is mundane, living an ordinary life, who is then impacted by something chaotic. So we have the force of chaos or the divine or God, whatever you want to call it, that impacts the world. So the best way I can maybe explain this to the listeners is imagine Shrek. We've all seen Shrek. So Shrek was in his swamp. He was comfortable. He's in the known world. And then, you know, he gets the call to adventure, which is like donkey and all those things, these fairies that's going on and pitchforks and trying to force him out of the neighborhood. He denies the call to adventure. You know, usually that happens. So he wants to stay in his swamp. So he then gets forced to, to go on a quest because he'll get this deed to his place by, by, by Lord Farquaad. And so he now accepts the call the second time he gets this thing and then goes out into the unknown world. And so he gets, he goes from the ordinary, what is known, to the unknown. And there's a dramatic shift that happens within the body, neurologically speaking, too. And so when you willingly accept the unknown, you actually change your DNA and you become more of yourself. And so by following this, the narrative and the framework and the steps of the hero archetype, meaning that if you take on the hero and body and embody the hero, uh, it is pretty much a, is the story of transformation, but also the, I guess, alchemical and the uh, blueprint to how to transform yourself and how to exceed and excel in your, into your potential. I hope that made sense. Awesome. Yeah, it makes, it makes sense. So these archetypes, this monomyth, mm. how can we apply it to ourselves uh, to better ourselves? Yeah. Um, so, man, there's, there's multiple ways and it's kind of really it's multifaceted and it's fractal too. And what I mean by that is that I don't, not only do I believe that the world's acting in this way in terms of our physiology and the stars and the sun and the way that things rotate around the world, but also within ourselves. And so how I look at that, let's say um, you're going through a divorce or you're going through a breakup you're going through a tough time. You don't know the, why that's happening to you, right? There's, there's a choice right there, man. There's a choice to accept the call and accept what's happened to you or to deny and, and hide back into yourself and, and you know, question and curse the world in some sense. Um, so if you do have the blueprint of the hero's journey and you know by accepting this thing and accepting what has happened for you, let's say, uh, then you know how to react, you know how to change, you know how to act in that moment. And so there's some sort of certainty. And so, you know, the reason that we don't move, right, um, is because there's lack of certainty. There's the unknown, it's uncertain. You don't know how to deal with these situations in your life. And so that causes a stress response and, record, and, and it actually keeps you into the mundane, into the ordinary world. Like this thing happened to you because you need to change or something has to change and you need to accept that change. Uh, and if you don't, then you just remain where you are. And that's okay too. Sometimes you're not ready on, to go into that journey. That's why it's fractal. Sometimes it happens with a divorce. Sometimes it's just like a simple thing going out into the day. But we literally do this every day, right? Like you start in your, like, I, look, I'm in my bedroom right now. I start my day in my bedroom. That's the known, it's safe, it's comfortable. And I go out into the world uh, and into the unknown. I don't know necessarily what's going to happen that day. Some things I do know, I like, you know, I end up at work and I do the same sort of routine. And that's where I feel like, you're bound to hit some sort of chaos eventually. Um, so that would be one way of how to actually deal with um, certain things that happen to you. But in other in other regards, man, it's like, how about spiritually? How about your relationship to God or the divine? You know, not to say we don't need to label things, but um, that there's something within you, right? That if you accept this challenge and you go on that journey, you're uncovering that self-belief. And so it's really a story of self-discipline, self-belief, and building resilience too. And so if you want to learn how to build a resilient, a resilient mindset, how to accept challenges, how to move forward, how to go through trials and errors, how to give up parts of yourself that are holding you back from the things that you want, this is the perfect blueprint for that as well, man. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So you, you talked about the stages in the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. 
and how we have to undergo these stages and, and change. How do you take use that in your coaching practice? Like, let's say somebody is coming mm. to you and they want to change their life around. How do you implement that into your coaching practice? Yeah, good question, man. So the first thing I'll do in, in coaching, bro, is we work out um, what your vision is, and what your vision statement is. And you'll find this, ha- this is the, the most common thing that you'll find in pretty much any job any business entrepreneurship um no matter what you do right so uh marketing as well marketing is a form of storytelling so there's going to be a certain there has to be a certain goal or a certain target and so the first thing that we do is we go through what is your vision what is your vision statement so your vision also it's it's intangible there's a difference between vision and goals and i think that's something we need to clarify as well so your vision is something intangible something you can't touch it's an idea and it's like this uh, transcendent part of yourself. So you're pretty much, pre- you're, what you're doing is you're projecting out a higher version of yourself. And so let's say my vision is uh, to be healthy, um, to be successful, to, you know, to um, to help people, all these things. I actually can't physically touch those things, right? But these are like more emotions that I want to achieve and states of being that I want to achieve. Now you set up your goals around that. And so let's say I want to help people. I want to sign up 10 clients by end of the end of the year or whatever it is. And those things. So what I would do in the coaching session with clientele is like, okay, well, what's your vision? What's your what drives you in life? What's your purpose in life? Now we, we work on that for a long time because that's always changing, you know, it's always evolving, such a story, such as life, such as everything else that we're doing um and so it's okay to it doesn't have to be so strict you know and i think because that can cause you a lot of pain too so understand that your vision can evolve as you evolve with it because so do your morals so do your values so does your experience and life is always testing you to see if that's what really what you want is that really your vision because some people's vision could be around money you know you're going to go through this journey you're going to attain money and then what you're like okay well maybe i need to shift my values and shift my vision again you'll set a new one um, so that would be what we start off with. Once we get the vision, we then work out what are the goals, what are the action plans to that, and we'll, we'll take those next steps. Um, so just like a hero, right? We're doing ca- it's the first thing we do before we go into a journey is we do character development. So we build out your character, build, and the same thing in writing. Okay, like you don't you don't necessarily build out the story; you build out the characters first. So you build up this character and their motivations, this character and their motivations. And so you understand when these two characters meet, how would they act in the world and how what kind of story comes out of that? So you develop your character. Uh, the next thing we then do is we work out what, what are your skills and what are your flaws? So what are your weaknesses and your strengths? You know, let's play, let's play to that character. Okay. And we go, okay, well then what weakness do you have? What kind of skill sets do you want to develop in? And it's like, well, actually I need to, you know, I want to be, if your vision, right, is to be a public speaker, you're terrible at, you know, you've got self-confidence issues and you're lacking uh, the ability to talk on stage and stage fright. Well, then, okay, let's work on these skill sets because you're going to need that on this journey. You know, you want to achieve this goal, you want to achieve this vision, you need certain attributes for that. However, whilst in pursuit of that, there are going to be speed bumps. There are going to be trials and errors here. You know, there are going to be parts of yourself, like, you know, some self-belief issues that you have, maybe a fear that you had growing up that you're going to need to overcome. And so now we work through... Okay, you have the vision, you have the goal. We need the next steps is like working out the strengths and the weaknesses. And we're like, okay, we're tailoring through this. And this is some, this is a part where a lot of people can give up as well because it's not necessarily fun because a lot of your flaws are going to show up here and it's going to be quite difficult to deal with. And eventually you're going to get to a point. So now you have trials and errors. You now have the part of the journey, which is called the sacrifice. And so it's like, okay, your goal was public speaking. What do you need to let go of in order to attain this? Because there is something about you right now that you are unable to let go of, that you are not willing to sacrifice in order to get this. And you can, if you can learn to sacrifice this, you will get this. And now you do that and you get this thing. And the journey isn't over yet because now you you got the skill, you got the talent, you're this new person. And now you start your journey as this new person, as you make your way back home to the return. And so that's giving your gift back to the world. It's also now it's got atonement with the father. So being at one again with the father um and that's kind of how we go through the structure then there's maintenance strategies so how do we actually maintain this character this new character that we develop so we don't fall back into old patterns and so this is like more subconscious sort of work that we go through as well um 
I hope that kind of clarifies. Yeah, it how did. Um, have you used these principles in your own life to better oh, yourself? Every day, so. <laughs> yeah. Can you give yeah, some examples? Um, bro, I'm always working on my vision. So I'm always tweaking the vision statement. So what is the thing that I'm pursuing? Um, and a most recent one for this man is actually coaching. You know, like I started coaching because I love this pursuit of knowledge, but also I got a lot of affirmation from being good at sport when I was younger. And I actually really wanted to study psychology, but because no one really knew that I liked psych and I kind of kept this, I guess, the intellect part of myself tucked away from myself and I showed the sport active side to the world because that's where I would get a lot of that um, dopamine hit. And so when it came to picking what degree do I want, I went to sports science. Um, now, I don't regret that either because it's given me this extra insight, but to be honest with you, I knew that it didn't come from a pure intention. And so what I believe the world is doing, it's, it's, it's because I have this vision, this goal, it's telling me that I need to let go of something. Um, and I'm getting signs and signals from the world, you know, like I'm trying to really hard to get this coaching business up and going, but, you know, the website guy doesn't force through. Um, a certain place I have, the studio like goes down, COVID hits and has to close it down. Um, just a little, like, little things. And you're like, okay, like there's a certain point where like, am I, am I doing this now? Because... Um, the lack of effort or is the world trying to tell me something else and so there's this sort of now relationship that you have with the world right so the hero character has a relationship with the spirit and you see this in lion king right you see that mufasa who is the the good king he speaks to zazu and has a relationship with rafiki scar puts zazu in a cage and so that's a metaphor for the detachment to spirit so he's self-serving. He's serving the ego. So the difference between Scar and Mufasa is Scar serves himself, which makes him a villain, and Mufasa serves the circle of life and everyone else. So he has a holistic point of view and a holistic sort of service, right? So how do I like this to myself? Is like, am I being of service to myself here or am I being of service to, to the world? And there's a big difference between that because if I have the world helping me on my goals, I've got a greater chance of succeeding as opposed to just helping myself out because you know, no one's going to want to talk to me if I'm just clearly in it for myself. And it might work for a little bit, but I don't think it brings you all those aspects of like emotionally fit, spiritually fit, physically and mentally fit, right? I might have the financially fit and maybe have one other aspect of that, but I'm, I'm still not holistic enough yet. So it's really about how do I integrate all these things to create a very holistic sort of feeling within myself and feel whole okay and that's that's the journey itself is, is coming back that return again um it's finding that self that you that part of yourself that you're missing um so i'm always working on my vision statement um in terms of uh you know like how else do i implement it is is archetypes man massively so understanding each so what an archetype is by the way it's a trans uh transpersonal character that exists through time and what i mean by that is that it's a certain role or character that exists longer than you. So for example, a king, a father is an archetype because I will one day become a father. You hopefully one day become a father or maybe you are a father. Uh, my son will become a father. And so the role of a father is continuous and there are certain characteristics that you need to embody to be a father, right? And it will shape you by taking on that role. Same as a CEO, I need to take on certain, I need so then, how I use this is like, I need to understand that, hey man, if I want to become this kind of character or this sort of job, I need to develop these sort of characteristics. And so there's a part of me that's not me. There's a part of me that's actually that role. And so when you step into that role with that sort of integrity, you now, you know, you forgo yourself and you become of service to others. Um, and so when I look at different jobs, I want to take, okay, well, what kind of characteristics does, does that does that job come with? And do I want to have those sort of characteristics? And do I have those characteristics naturally? If I don't, then let's go work on them. If I can't develop them, then I leave that job behind. Um, so that's how I would use it in terms of like, you know, career choice as well. Um, but not only that, the father archetype, right, is um, so everything has duality to it, right? There's a positive and negative aspect of it. So the father or the king, he's either he's going to be protective and he's going to offer you security. Now, that means anything that offers you protection and security can be seen as the father archetype, meaning my job, my father, society. Uh, you know, if you're in a relationship, could be your partner. That's the archetypal father. On the negative side of that is oppression. So you'll find that what gives you security 
also often gives you oppression. And so if you understand that it's two sides of the same coin, you can determine when something's being tyrannical or something's being secure and trustworthy, right? And so I, when I look at the world, I feel like, I, you know, obviously through media, through all, all these things we're uncovering, that we're in some sort of state where we're under a tyrannical father. And that doesn't mean that governments are tyrannical and things are tyrannical. It means that within each and every single one of us, were our values collect, come, this is now Carl Jung, create a collective consciousness. It creates a collective sort of character that is projected onto the world that we now act and oblige to. And so if you understand what character you're serving, you know now how to act in the world and what's coming next. You know, you don't trust the news so much. You don't, you, you do things for yourself. You, um, you research your own things. Um, you, you're more alert on those aspects. You then know you need to be more creative. You need to now find a relationship with the divine feminine. And you see, you find this is true now as well. There's a lot of talk about the divine feminine. Um, you see movies like Barbie coming out and this is now like, you know, this is like, we're getting hints of the other side that we need to tap into. And it doesn't mean that we're going to go full feminine. And that's the answer. It means that there are elements that of the feminine that we need to integrate we need to find the middle of the balance if we don't do that we want to swing over to full creative which is now like creativity or chaos for lack of a, for lack of a better word and we'll just end up on the other extreme so you can see this kind of play out in the world and that's what i mean by how the hero's journey of story and character and narrative is embedded into society what is the divine feminine and is there divine masculine as well hmm. and what is yeah that? so so if we look at myth, we see that um, there's two forces, chaos and order. So chaos would be the divine feminine. Why? Because uh, females give birth. And we're talking more about energy here as well. It's not so much about, you know, there's feminine energy and masculine energy in all of us. But if we do extract it, it's more female because females give birth and there's a there's the womb. And so they, they create. And so I like to actually, I change that term myself. I don't use the term chaos and order because I think modern society needs new language and there's a misinterpretation of that. So I say creativity and structure. So within all of us is creative energy, which is feminine, divine feminine. And with all of us, there's uh, structure, order within us. And that would be the divine masculine. And so how does this play out into ourselves into the day? And so, um, you know, <clears throat> some people are more structured. Men are more structured. So what makes structure? Lines. You know, what's attractive on a male? Straight jaw lines, uh, straight shoulders, you know, very box sort of shape. What's attractive about a female? Curve lines. And so this is where you can see how our physiology, right, ties into the psychology of the masculine and feminine as well. Um, so what is, you asked, what is divine feminine? It's, um, it is the chaotic parts and the creative parts of life. So anytime it's like entrepreneurship, it's, um, it's, it's arts, it's dancing, it's, um, it's, in, it's emotions. It's actually also, it's the right brain. It's the right part of the brain that's to do with like connecting dots together, um, and pattern recognition. And what is divine masculine it's logic it's structure it's order it's protection it's it's tyranny as well it's all these other things that come under that sort of um subcategory so you mentioned something like entrepreneurship is mm. the divine feminine mm. but it's interesting because generally we think about entrepreneurship yes more of like a male pursuit so it's, do mm. do women embody like the divine feminine are is there both. both in in men and women yeah there's both in men and women and what i mean an entrepreneurship sorry would be a very good com combination of the two it requires you to be creative but also to perform structure and so a good entrepreneur can balance these two energies out you know a lot of everything is aiming for a homeo this is everything's aiming for homeostasis you being alive is because your body is through homeostasis now how does that happen it's not a straight line it's constantly fluctuating and so it's about finding the balance between the two, constantly moving through those things. And that's what life is. You're constantly moving between masculine and feminine energies. You're constantly creating yourself and building structures for yourself, tearing down the structures and going back into chaos. You know, 
I'm building a certain routine, I lose the routine, you know, and then you, I think like you, we're trying to find its middle line and get closer to it every time. Um, but we're constantly doing both. And that's why it lives in both of us. Uh, it lives in everyone. We both, we all hold these energies, but there is more, there's a tendency like a higher percentage in females to have more feminine energy and more males have ma masculine energy. And how is this true? Well, if you look at science, men are interested in things. So objects, building things that's very masculine that's, built, that's creating structures and females are more interested in people and that's the social aspect that's emotions and so that's that's the let's say it would be the intangible and the tangible right it's you could have the the pattern and the matrix so pattern comes from the word padre which means father so pattern is structure and the matrix is where the pattern comes from it's his matre which is matrix which is mother and so the mother and the pattern comes from the matrix and so this is what it's telling us is that we have um everything comes from the feminine energy which would be the chaos or creativity and so everything falls back into chaos and then something is rebuilt out of that because chaos is also potential and so what is divine feminine was that divine thing is like well it's going back to the source of potential as well and tapping into that and so if you look at the world well what do men struggle with men struggle with emotions they they're it doesn't mean that they don't have emotions. They're struggling to find the divine feminine within themselves. And see, I like all these terminologies and stuff like that. They're great, but I don't think they're useful in today's society. Like there's this stigma around divine feminine, divine masculine. Simply just mean like, man, there's a part of you that's the divine feminine, which is your emotions, your creativity, your passions, man. Like what drives you, you know? A lot of men, uh, we, uh, we think we need to do things and hide our emotions and get a job and have this structure. And we, I think a lot of us are crumbling now to the pressure of that because we can't keep up with the demands of society. And what does that mean? It means that society is oppressing us. And a lot of men feel pressured by that, right? So um, the cure to that or the antidote to that, it could be chaos, man. It could be that the world goes into a very chaotic period and we need to, and we need to build new structures. And that's why I think, okay, well, how does this relate to the world? Well, look at blockchain, look at AI coming out. These are new ways of doing things, new ways of, of living. Um, and I think all, all this stuff is going to come through chaos first, which you look at COVID. COVID was a chaotic moment. It shifted things around. And so um, how do I, how do people then deal with this? It's like, well, if you understand that this is part of the narrative, this is part of the story, it might not be good. You might feel terrible, but you're going to have this greater lens, greater perspective and understand that this is all for a reason and this is all part of story and narrative. And there's, there is, um, there was a, the Chinese word for crisis means opportunity and crisis at the same time um so it's kind of a paradox so we see this in language you know when people say oh man you're off script why do we use a lot of terminology around around film and narrative when we talk about our own lives you know character you play what character you're doing so um that i hope that answers your question between what's masculine and feminine and how yeah. it relates to both of us yeah. oh, in everyone yeah it did uh thank you so much here's another question uh you mentioned carl young who is carl young and what is the collective unconscious yeah, so so Carl Jung, Carl Jung was Freud's friend, and uh, Freud would argue that he was Jung's mentor, and Jung would argue, argue that they were um, intellectual partners. Jung was a lot younger than Freud, and so Freud always saw himself as the as the the top dog in that in that uh, relationship. So, as we know, Freud is more logical. Right, he's everything was based around um, libido and sex and biology, so there was an explanation to this sort of stuff through through science. Um, and Jung was someone who studied Eastern philosophy and narrative, and um, he believed in the spirit and his soul. And so he would do things like he would go through something called uh, like imagine imagination process, where he'd like project his imagination out and then live. And, and stay in that sort of dreamlike state. And he eventually projected out his soul. He's got a, a book called The Red Book, where he actually speaks to his soul. Was, he went to full psychosis, but um, he's written a lot of works on the alchemical process. And what I mean by that, alchemy is the study of, uh, the, you know, it's like it's a search for turning metal into gold. So how Jung would interpret that is that it's a metaphor for turning the metal within yourself into gold so it's the it's the process of enlightenment and so that's what true alchemy is it's it's um going into a spiritual journey to find your true self uh, and he believes that this is all through through story as well 
So it's <clears throat> a little bit about Jung. The collective consciousness would be the, let's say it would be like, I'm a certain character that I'm, I'm playing, but if we add up my character, your character, the person next door and everyone listening to this, and we got together and created one single character that would create a collective consciousness. So one single, one single being, which is the, which I believe is the archetype that rules the world. Uh, that would be the collective consciousness. And so if we want this, therefore, if we want to change the world, we need to change ourselves. And so it does become very important that each of us change our values, um, live by a virtuous life, live out of love, you know, all these things. And if we can change that within ourselves and we all do that, then the collective consciousness changes and the world can change. Um, and so this is what I mean by if you understand uh, the characters and archetypes and you can then project out what you think most people value and this is quite easy to determine you know what do we what do we value well i think money a lot of us value money over everything else and greed and so what would be the collective consciousness greed and money hungry and things and things like that not to say it's bad it just means that we're at this stage in our consciousness and so what comes next and you can kind of project out well if we overvalue greed and money uh, and now we see this rise in blockchain technology. We see this rise in other ways of thinking. And because we're connected through podcasts now and sharing stories and everything like that, well, it can kind of change. And so our values are now shifting too. And so I think a new collective consciousness will take place. And so the current one is a, is, also, is also the masculine figure, right? It's the, it's the father figure. So we live in a patriarch. And you see this in Barbie now that they're talking about uh, a matriarch, right? So... Um, that would be that if everyone took a feminine point of view, which would be feminine values, then we would have a collective feminine consciousness. Um, and some would argue that the, the best societies in, in our world to date or uh, civilizations have been a matriarch as well. Um, I agree with that as well, because something interesting about the brain is you have, you know, you have the left and right brain. If you damage the left side of the brain, meaning you have a right side working, your body recognizes that you have two sides. If you damage the right side of the, uh, the right side of the brain, meaning you only have the left side of the brain working, your body will deny that a right side exists. And so what that tells us is that by having a foundation society based on logic, logic can't see emotions. It doesn't understand this other side of thinking. <clears throat> emotions can see emotions and logic. And so you got to think what's well. What's more logical? What's a better way to found it, to put our foundations on in, in society? It's like, well, I'd take the emotional side and the creative side, the openness, because the openness can see both sides. doesn't mean you lose logic. In fact, logic's a part of this. But if you stick with only logic, then you, you're, missing, you're missing one half of yourself. Um, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it does. Um, what are some stories? What are some of your favorite stories? Uh, oh, no, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, I, I, love, I love Lion King. Lion yeah. King's one of my favorite stories for sure. Um, there's a really good podcast. Actually, one of the first podcasts I got into about all this stuff was Jordan Peterson did an analysis of Carl Jung and Lion King. And man, it blew me away. I went on a whole, I went on a massive Jordan Peterson like spiral after that, um, learning more about archetypes and his book, Map, Maps of Meaning. Um, but Lion King definitely won. And if you didn't know this, Lion King is a mirror story of um, the ancient Egyptian myth of Horus and Osiris and Set. So if we look at this, it's actually, and I believe that these stories are actually, they're projections of the human psyche. So it's a story of what's happening internally to us. And so if we look at the story, I'll, I'll compare the two as we go through it. So um, you look at um, Lion King, you have Mufasa and you have his evil brother the uncle scar mufasa would represent someone who has the divine feminine and masculine qualities within himself and has a holistic point of view of the world <clears throat> and and scar is uh, the intellect right um so intellect is the left side it's logic and so if you look at egyptian mythology you have osiris and you have set and what I also believe this is, it's actually literally the sun. So story of astrology, the sun and the sun setting. And so we now have a, 
um, a parallel between um, the sun, the sun itself being a symbol of enlightenment and being gold. Simba being a lion, being gold and enlightenment, and Osiris and Horus being the sun god as well. So in all of those stories, I believe they're all speaking about the same thing. And internally, it's talking about the, the sun or the gold inside of us. Okay. So then what happens between uh, Mufasa and uh, Scar? So Mufasa, because he's of his kind nature, he, he actually doesn't pay respect to Scar's intellect, which means he's forgotten about the intellectual part of himself. And so what happens inside of you is that your intellect can supersede your love and your uh, the, the feminine part of you, the creative spirit within you, because it wants to serve itself and it's, addic it's addictive like that. And it, and it can't see what it's doing. It can't see what it's doing wrong, right? So what happens is Scar kills his brother <clears throat> and takes over. Simba then runs away. And, and goes into his own journey, the, the un, which would be the underworld. In Egyptian mythology, we have uh, Osiris who's cut into pieces by his brother and then spread across the world. And so now Horus, his son, has to go to the underworld to rescue his father. We see this mirrored in Lion King where Simba has to go to the graveyard or to the unknown to now rescue his father, which he finds Rafiki and finds that spiritual sort of place. And he has to remember who he is. And so to remember who he is is to re- is to put himself back together. And so how does this happen in Egyptian myth? Well, you find that the son, Horus, has to put his father back together. So he literally has to remember him. Um, <clears throat> so that's how these two stories come back, come back into practice. So what this means in terms of ourselves, it means that um, the intellect part of us has thrown us out of whack. And we need to go back into ourselves and remember who we are, put ourselves back together and become whole again. And then we need to create a new order a new set of being. Um, so that is to work with his father. So, um, and to, and have connection to spirit. So you see that um, Simba has a connection with Zazu and Rafiki um, and has that divine spirit and Sky does not. And so then both Horus and Simba have to fight their uncle and they win and then create a new order and new peace. And that creates the whole, you know, the mundane world again. And then that's the conscious world. That's the, that's the known world. And then you have chaos hit again, which could be, anything that sort of happens and throws it out of whack. Um, so that would be like one of my favorite stories and how they show up in, in something that's modern today, but also a story that many thousands of years ago. Now it's the same sort of thing. Yeah, it's interesting how a lot of these stories that we have are just kind of like retellings of ancient stories. You know, oh, there's the phrase, yeah. nothing new. There's nothing new under mm. the sun. Well, like, that's because... The, mm. Well, that's because well, I don't gone. think these are. I don't, I don't think these stories. They come from within us. <laughs> you know, they're not stories of uh, things out there that we made up. They, we did make them up, but where did they come from? They came from within our within ourselves. And so, this is why creative people, writers, dancers, artists, um, they tell the future. They, you know, there's a lot of meaning and purpose and story and and uh, metaphors within what they're doing. And some of them don't know what they're doing. You know, it's because it's not necessarily logic, right? They're not thinking about this in a logical way they're just painting and drawing it for the sake of meaning and purpose itself and then what comes out is something that we then need to interpret and see what how does this relate to the psyche what's what's inside them that's being portrayed and showed um from within and so when you look at these stories it's it's not like we're using the same stories it's, it's the fact that i believe that the psyche inside of us uh is trying to tell us something all the time and it comes out through art yeah, I agree. Do you feel that uh, people today are disconnected from these concepts? And mm. why is that? Uh, definitely disconnected from these concepts, man. Um, why? I think, I think it's because, I think it's a natural process. I think it really is. It's like if we think, if I was to say that the purpose of life is love, and to and to I think to understand love in a better way, I think we need to understand pain and we need to understand uh, I guess the anti the anti concept of that, which would be I guess evil or um, or bad like badness in some sense. I think that this is all so we can understand love in a better way. Um, 
And so I think it's just it's just a natural process, man, going through chaos and order and and things like that. And I think there's if you look at different ancient calendars, you have different stages of light consciousness and dark consciousness. And so how does that look? Well, we'll we see that we have our sun, uh, Helios, and we have another sun called um, Sirius. And how ancients would determine what stage of um, consciousness we're in was relative to how close these two suns were. So um, if when these two suns get close together, then it would be the light years because there's more light in the world. And so they'd say consciousness is, is lightened. And so then these two suns will go around and they orbit each other and they get, they get far apart again. This would be the dark ages. And so there's going to be a period of time where, where our consciousness decreases and it comes back in, together again and consciousness increases again. And we go into fluxes of consciousness and unconsciousness. Same thing we have like sound, you know, you have silence, and you have sound. We look at the word, the word universe, it simply means one song. Um, so I think there's some sort of natural pattern to all of this, uh, which which a lot of us can't explain because it comes from the unknown, it comes from something that transcends us. So personally, I feel like it's something that we just we just need to accept and we just need to go through. That doesn't mean that we there isn't certain right or wrong actions to take. Um, I can't tell you necessarily why do I think that um, we're, but I, I think if we're going to be more practical about it rather than it being just something outside, outside of our control, I think it's because we value the wrong thing. I think that um, we, we don't, as a collective, have our values tied together and I think that um, we're shown a lot of things. We don't understand ourselves in a spiritual way, you know. So I would say what happened is you have Western culture, Eastern culture. So the world has been very Westernized for a very long time. And so that would be West is the left, the left part of the brain. So it's been it's been ruled by logic. And so I feel like a lot of us perceive the world through, through the lens of logic, where Eastern philosophy perceives the world through uh, con continuity and creativity. Right. And so how does how, how does that play out in religion? Well, you look at stories in Western culture, there's an afterlife. You know, you die and then there's another world. Uh, and it's kind of ambiguous. Well, you look at Eastern philosophy and Eastern cultures, well, there's reincarnation. So there's this there's this concept of con continuity and it's it's a circular pattern. So there's a circle from in in the East and in the West, it's linear, you know, it's about what you're doing today and this life and then once there's one life and there's one chance and that's all you got right it's a very linear sort of mindset very masculine too that's what i mean by it's, it's it's driven by masculine forces and then you look at the east it's every action you take today impacts the next life so there's this continuity sort of aspect to it as well and so i think we've forgotten a lot of these teachings or we haven't developed these teachings or we misinterpreted them in uh in western culture you know so I like from from personally, um, the way I view Christianity is in this is the same way as the Lion King story. So for me, Jesus Jesus is actually Simba. Uh, he's the same. So he's Messiah. He's the the light bringer. So he's also Simba. He's also um, he's also Horus. And whether I don't care if it's true or not true because it could be true. I'm not going to deny that. But I, in terms of metaphorically speaking you can use these characters to determine what kind of story we're telling. Um, something very interesting that I learned a long time ago was that the sun is at its lowest point for three days and then, and then rises back up. Um, and Jesus dies for three days and then resurrects after, after three and rises back up again. Um, the times of, you know, the year that Jesus you know, was born is also like summer. And so it's like this, uh, it's also, I think one of the days where the high, the sun's at its highest point or something. So I feel like there are a lot of ties between astrology and a lot of these storytelling sort of aspects too. Um, so yeah, I'm not entirely sure why, but I'd say it's a misplacement of values. And I think we've kind of also um, hijacked that through media and through control and uh, wanting to hold on to things so much as well. And so I think that's kind of escalated these sort of things. Um, and this this rise in technology, this rise in science, which I love, which I think is great as well. But I think it's also just catching up to itself now where it can't deny itself anymore because through science, through all this technology, we're actually able to speak online through podcasts, share things more. You know, the media doesn't control everything. And it doesn't mean that these people were bad people. It's by, divine, it's by design. You know, they, they only had, um, you know, a couple of minutes online on a radio broadcast on a TV 
series online that they had to figure out how to get your attention quickly otherwise they'd lose it they lose money and so it's because we focus on money you know a lot of this stuff for me is like our values are centered around that and that means that we would jeopardize and sacrifice what is true and other values to make more money you know i feel like that's i feel, I feel like that's just quite known now and ever and everyone knows that and you can either be like yeah cool whatever that's how it is and then you could be one of those people that now pursue things for money and you could do that and I feel like that's kind of giving up, but I feel like this, what I mean, this hero archetype is a part of us that's inside that wants to change that. Um, and I think we all need to, you know, it's scary because you're probably going to have a life that's not very secure and not very safe, but that's what I mean by how that ties into the hero's journey. You're going to enter the unknown world. And so are you ready to forego? And this is now a divine relationship, right? I'm now, I now have faith. I have faith. I'm acting out of faith. I'm not acting out of, out of anything logical here because the logical thing here to do is to do things for money. A hundred percent it is like, you know, raise a family, be secure, uh, get a girlfriend, do it, or get get married. That's a very logical thing to do, and you, it's quite scary to do the opposite, man. To start your own business, to go travel the world, and be an entrepreneur. Um, and so, there's something about the creative adventure and the creative journey that 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 is intertwined with religion and faith, because you don't know what's going to happen to you, man. So, I think a lot of creative people actually have some sort of philosophy that they believe in because they need, they need that. Um, and I think that's what happened to a lot of us back in the day when we didn't have many safe, safe and secure structures and we're under t- like a lot of tyrannical um, environments. And so we, we then um, gave up our, our so like gave up our, you know, there were a lot of good governments and people rulers at the time too. And so we said like, look, you take control. And, but at any point in time that can change, man. And so um we just didn't realize that it sort of changed and we kind of went along with the, with, with the script, but it's time again for people to take up their own story, their own narrative and to find out what's true to them and live by their own values as opposed to the values of society, because the values of society have changed. Um, and it's the only way we're going to change society until we bring up another conscious collective and then we can let it go again and say, look, great. There's good people in charge. Now we can relax, but there's going to be times that there aren't. So. Hey, Sorry to interrupt, but are you looking to reach a dynamic and engaged audience of curious minds? Well, look no further. Bright Brains Podcast is the perfect platform to showcase your business or product. You'll be able to reach a diverse and intelligent audience and engage with listeners passionate about personal development, technology, and more. Elevate your brand through thought-provoking discussions. Don't miss this opportunity to promote your business on one of the fastest growing podcasts in the market. Contact us today to discuss advertising options and elevate your brand to the next level. Contact us at brightbrainspod at gmail.com to secure your advertising spot on Bright Brains today. Again, that's brightbrains with a Z pod pod at gmail.com now back to the podcast you mentioned travel where are you seeking mm. to travel to and why well, I are to you travel? seeking to experience oh man um <laughs> all right so another favorite story of mine or show of mine growing up was the avatar last airbender have you seen that oh i love that show yeah okay oh fuck it's it's, it's, it's an best. amazing show yeah it's incredible. And so the concept of that, if people don't know, it's like you have this one this one character who can um, balance and use all the elements, air, earth, fire, water, as we are talking about earlier, right? Um, and so his job is to become an integrated being by learning about different cultures, learning about different, different techniques, different uh, bending elements, right? So that he can become holistic himself. And so that means he has to understand how to think like an earthbender. And, you know, that's not comfortable for, for Aang because he's, he's an airbender. And so he's a creative person. So you see that he struggles with, with structure, right? And so that's why it's the hardest element for him to learn. And so why do I want to go on this, this journey? Is because I have a certain character and I want, to, I want to learn how to adapt to different modes and different styles of being. And at the same time, I want to go and learn about different modalities of training, you know? So uh, it could be breath work. It could be um, uh, some sort of plant medicines. It could be a martial art. And there's different places around the world that I feel like I could learn things under these, these pillars. So air, earth, fire, water, as I was speaking to you about. And so, man, I was, I was literally watching the show and I was like, 
you know, I'm always talking about the hero's journey and the story and narrative and 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 going on to this adventure. I thought, you know what, like I, I mean, I don't I don't drink anymore. I might I think I might have like one like with a mate to celebrate maybe a wedding or some sort of other thing. But other than that, I don't really drink. Um and so like I guess the reason why I'm traveling now shifted compared to when I was younger. And I thought, man, like what better journey than to go and actually study all of these ancient teachings that I've been so fascinated with when I was younger. Um, and so that's, that's what I want to do. And then I want to come back and bring it, bring it back home. And so that's part of, again, the hero's journey, go out into the world, learn something and bring it back to the ones you love. So you can create a better society and better culture and better life for yourself. Um, so yeah, that's what that's. And where am I going? Um, I, I'm definitely going to Japan. Cause I think like, like I want to take the comic stuff that I've been doing over there. I also do maybe a martial art, uh, South America to do the plant medicine, Central America, uh, and then North America to see how there's a lot of businesses over there that have integrated a lot of like, you know, this sort of culture. So I want to see how they've, how they've kind of integrated both those things and then head back towards like Europe and um, uh, India and Asia towards the end of it before I come back to Australia. Um, you know, I know in Australia, the Aboriginal people have this concept mm. of the dream time. Uh, yeah. What is that? And does that apply to uh, yeah. this topic that you're talking about? Oh, for sure, man. Yeah. Well, it's um the dream time is like, yeah, what's well, in the word, I guess. It's like the, everything comes from the creative spirit, the the dreams. And so there's a lot of uh, characters in there, like this, like the rainbow serpent that kind of created, that created the world. And so it was just, they always talk about like divine feminine and masculine energies and um, tapping into spirits a lot more and being, there's, there's energy all around. And so everything comes, everything's holistic. Everything's one in the dream time sort of thing. Um Man, I feel like those guys are tripping. <laughs> to be honest, man, I feel like I just feel like these guys are foraging and taking shrooms and then and then seeing the world in a very different way. Um, as a lot of cultures, I feel like a lot of cultures were probably doing that when they came up with the um the myth behind it all. Um, I don't know too much about it. I would like to learn more about it. They didn't teach us much about it at school, to be fair. Like you, we learned about Dreamtime and a couple of Aboriginal stories, but we didn't really learn too much about the actual culture itself. You know, they got a lot of dance. A lot of storytelling as well. So they, they pass things down through like you know through through song. Um, so the songs are all about the creation of the of the world, you know. And these these survive thousands and thousands of years. But I think it's the the longest lasting um, civilization indigenous civilization to till date, and probably the longest like civilization that we've that we've seen. Um, and so it's very rich in story and very rich in all these things, and not very logical at all, right? A lot of this stuff they're not very logical. Uh, people and I don't mean they're not logical I mean like they're not thinking for self-serving purposes like things that make sense to us in in terms of modern day society we look at them like what why are they doing this thing well, I don't think we know much about know much about the right side of the brain and the creative creative life and creative living um so yeah I think there's a lot to be learned from those sort of uh cultures man for sure all right uh tell me about your comic book blockchain company Oh, yeah. yeah, man. So um, when when I was like, I was investing in, okay, to tie this back into how I got into all this as well, was the first company I invested into was Tesla. And the reason I invested in Tesla, because I was really into energy and consciousness by Nikola Tesla. And then I um, then saw Elon Musk do something. And I thought well, he must know about all this energy stuff. And I think the world needs renewable energy. So I invested into that. And when COVID hit, I ended up selling my shares and had a bit of a bad time with that because they did really, really well. And I, I shouldn't have sold <clears throat> at that point. I didn't know, I didn't know how the market worked back then. I didn't know about printing money. So this is a massive thing. If anyone listening, when governments print money, fucking invest. <laughs> Stocks go up, man. Like, so that's a, that was a hard lesson for me. Uh, but then I got into like, cryptocurrency. Uh, I was already into crypto in the 2017, but I got burnt a bit because I, I caught, caught the hype at the very end. But I kind of stuck through it this time around and learned more about it all. So... I then got into NFTs and I thought, man, like using this principle, right? Using the principle of homeostasis and looking at the world, we see it's very business orientated, right? Um, but what NFTs allow you to do is they allow you to combine the creative part of a business. So it's like using, uh, you know, graphic designers and storytellers with now marketing and uh, and technology to, to support businesses. So now your shares could be an NFT, right? That, that becomes completely possible. Uh, you're like, you know, you could sell tickets as NFTs. You could do a lot of things that are business orientated and use this 
um, sort of like this, this art now online on blockchain. And so I thought, okay, well, if I apply this theory, it means that there's going to be some sort of homeostasis or some sort of balance. And so I feel like I think that the business world and the creative world in terms of art is going to merge together through NFTs. Uh, and so I was like, okay, well, how do I how do I get into this? And so I started researching more about how it works, what blockchains are built on, and everything like that. Um, I had the idea to start up with some couple of friends and said, let's why we do an NFT project, and we did pretty good um, to start off with. And uh, they didn't have the same vision I had, you know. And this was a massive learning curve for myself, man. Was they? Uh, I feel like they were in it for the money. Um, not to say that I wasn't in it for the money, I definitely was, um, but there's still always another part of me that's kind of like, oh, I'm, in, I'm here to learn as well. And I, and I, I value learning more and the creative adventure more than the money, even though I still value the money. Um, and so then I used my funds from that to then create this comic book platform. And so what it, what it enables me to do is to take PNG files um, and simply put them together. So when you have a traditional NFT, they're just static images. And so I feel like it's good. And I, I understand it, but I feel like a lot of people, don't see the point in how it's valuable and so i thought wouldn't it be really cool if we could turn comic books because that's that's a form of you know it's artwork and storytelling into nfts and so we did exactly that we created a platform that allows me to publish png files into one collective comic book file and then um and sell them online uh, and so what that means and why does that matter what what's the difference between blockchain nft comics versus digital comic books on um on webtoons well, if you look at Webtoons, uh, the comic books on there, it's a single PDF file. So it means when you purchase the, the comic book, it's just one its one PDF file that everyone has. Um, there's no trading volume with that. You can't buy and sell it. If I can now turn a comic book into a thousand individual copies, that when people purchase it, it's an individual copy. They can now sell it. They can collect it. They can sell it online, add it to a marketplace, read it on their phone like an ebook. I think that opens up a whole new, a whole new world for comics online in particular. But also, um, royalties is a massive thing in the creative industry. We see the writers strike right now, and so it kind of baffles me that creative people and writers and stuff are, are against NFTs. I don't think they understand the technology. I think they have a negative perspective because they got burnt. A lot of people use the tech to make a lot of money, and you know they abused they abused it. But that's gonna that's gonna happen. So. I wouldn't shy away from it. I encourage creative people to kind of use that technology more. Um, so, for example, what I've programmed on the back end is uh, it's like a 70, it, it, it's whatever I want it to be, but at the moment it's a 70 30 split. And so, if um, I publish a comic book and someone buys it, the artist gets 70% straight to their digital wallet. There's no, it doesn't go into my wallet at all. I don't have to send them anything. And 30% goes to the, the company to pay for um, you know, marketing team to create in house product, products and then also just a wage for everyone. Um, and so that's kind of how, how it works. Um, and if you look at webtoons, people don't get royalties for their comic books. In fact, they don't even get paid for the purchase of the comic book. They get paid by the ad clicks in the back of the comic. Um, and so there's a massive, uh, massive problem in the creative industry. And this is what I mean by there's a massive problem with the negligence of the divine feminine. And this isn't this. I think I feel like females take it themselves, right? They're like, "Oh, I'm feminine, so the world's run by mass uh, by males." It's like, well, not really. There are people out there and industries out there that have both males and females that are feminine in, in energy, and so that would be like something like the comic book industry, and be like the film industry, like writers, um, teachers, all these jobs that come under the feminine energy uh, have been suffering for a very, very long time. And so I feel like NFTs and blockchain. And AI is going to help these people bring this back into balance, back into homeostasis in terms of a collective. What's the final word? What is something that you want to say that you haven't been able to say so far? Uh, okay. Um, man, just that like, um, I feel like, man, like we really, like the world is based on love for sure. Like love mm -hmm. is love is really the, the language of the universe and language of of all of us. And if we can uh, find that within ourselves, it's, it's um I think it's really important right now because there's a lot of chaos happening out there and a lot of ways to kind of point the finger and blame things. And you know, there's like certain there's so much stuff going on. Like there's AI, there's war, there's um 
uh, like there's just so much stuff going on man and like it's drawing us out of ourselves man like we're really being pulled out and the attention attention by the way comes from the from the root word of that is to place your heart and so where you place your attention is where you place your heart and if you view your attention like that that changes everything you know it, are you going to spend more time on instagram or scrolling through things and what movies are you watching and how do you perceive the world who you're spending time with you know like um is that really you i feel like there's a voice inside of all of us that's kind of telling us what the right thing to do is or not even the right it doesn't mean like you're right it means that it's the right thing for you it means your own personal truth um and i think a lot of us need to follow that and um build up the courage to do so because uh, that's what the world is asking of us right now and it's how we can kind of you know if you really if you want to change the world you have to change yourself and it's quite cliche um but uh you know and then rely on like you know reach out to people uh like uh get help from others as well if you need it because um you know it's it's not fun to to live life in a very sheltered sort of uh self-serving sort of way you know um and it is going to be scary like you know pursuing things out of love is illogical it doesn't make sense you know you, you're gonna there's gonna be fear around that but around nested in fear is obviously the reward it's the treasure so they look, you look at the hero like it's he has to slay the dragon or he has to overcome sort of you know to save the world he has to give up himself and um you know in your fears lies love as well you know so fear and love you could be the same is, is the same sort of thing i think everything that's opposite is actually the same thing we look at hot and cold both temperatures you look at black and white both colors you look at male female both sexes um I th that's you know duality is some sort of a, is a, kind of an illusion like that and so um yeah i think it's really i just encourage people man to do things out of out of love out of their heart and um i think that's really important and it's probably the most important thing i can probably say right now um yeah man, but i do I, in being like honest man i really struggle with it too like i, I definitely struggle and i think like people might not understand that either and they might feel alone but like to do the right thing to follow your heart i think it hurts man i think it's really painful um and i think that's a part of the process so if i look at the story of genesis like um the eating of the apple so so i think that's true i think that by eating the apple of the knowledge of good and evil and so that means we're now conscious i think the price we pay for consciousness is the awareness of good and evil right and wrong masculine and feminine du duality we the price for consciousness is separation and so that also means limitation so what i mean by that is that um for you to be aware of something it's quite painful right so and that's how the human body is wired is like you're not really paying attention to things that are good in life because they're good you really you're wired to pay attention to things that could threaten you and so sometimes you know don't think don't be too hard on yourself either like you know you, you're you're wired this way to look at the world in, in sort of some sort of negative lens and understand that that protects you as well and that negative lens that you have is also one of the most beautiful things you know it's the price you pay for consciousness and the price you pay for understanding love but would you rather go life without love and without understanding consciousness or would you rather shut down and, and not look at the world like that um and the other thing is like we're all like you know looking at it and being honest man like we are all going to pass away one day. And so um, facing our morality and facing coming to terms with that is super important because you you understand that that, that provides meaning. And so the fact that it's going to disappear is the very reason that it's meaningful. So the very reason that you think life has no meaning is in fact where the meaning comes from. It's, it's kind of paradoxical. It's like, yeah, well, it's all going to end one day. Exactly that. It is all going to end one day. So there's something beautiful within that if it was if it wasn't going to end there's no fear there's no love there's no meaning um if it was continuous in in this sort of perspective and understand that it is continuous in some sort of way a part of you can attach itself to the divine to something higher than yourself and in that sense you are eternal in that sense you're greater than who you are but who you are anthony myself and isaac that'll pass but there's something deeper within us that we can connect ourselves to and if you can connect yourself to that, uh, and I think that's what a lot of us are doing. How do we do that? How do we connect to that part of ourselves? Well, I think that the answer is in the hero's journey. I think that um, by following your heart, by following your bliss, you will get there, which is a quote by Joseph Campbell. Um, so it doesn't mean you can you can get there however, however you want, but 
the only way you're going to get there is by following your heart for sure. Awesome. This has been a very illuminating conversation. I think this is one of those episodes that my listeners and even myself is going to be played on repeat because I think it's something that, yeah, people, there's a lot of info here and it's a lot to uh, investigate (laughs) and a lot to. Sorry, man. No, no, this is good. That's good, man. You you really spoke about, you touched on a lot of different things. And I think Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people will get something out of this. So that being said, where can people go to find you online? Yeah. So people can go onto Instagram and type in out of the caveman. So mm-hmm. that's like out of the cave and then and man at the end of it. Uh simply just playing words in my last name, uh Cavalieri, just called the caveman. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um I would say on Instagram for starters, man, my, I'm I'm going through a website change right now. So I, I did have a website up uh, that was Pegasus Coaching. I'm rebranding that because I'm going to travel and I'm going to be calling it the fit element instead. Um, and then I'll be also having a, my own podcast too, just how we got in touch, um, which will be called Out of the Out of the Cave. So I'd say stick to Instagram for now. If you have any questions, send me a DM on there. And um, yeah, man, we'll, we'll go from there. Awesome. And the podcast isn't up yet. No, no, we're still working on it, man. Like, I, yeah, if you've got any advice and tips for me, I'd, I'd gladly take it. Um, as you can see, like, there's, there's a lot of ways to take it. I'm not too sure what it's going to be focused about. Um, you know, I think I think podcasts need a certain narrative, a certain problem that it solves, hence the vision, right? I, I'm still working on what exactly I have the vision, my why, but I don't have what problem am I solving with this thing? Is it is it coming back to self and is it technology? Is it about moral of the story was another thing I thought about and going through stories and telling them what's what those are about. But I would also like to interview people about quantum physics and quantum mechanics. And so I'm trying to think about how I can tie this all in together. I haven't quite done that just yet. Gotcha. Well, when it does go up, uh, shoot me a line and I'll, I can promote it as well. But uh, this Thanks, has been exactly. a great discussion. Take care. And uh, Thanks, yeah, bro. Great you too, night. man. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak about this stuff because it's uh, I haven't had much chance to do it up until recently, man. Hence, out of the cave, man. I feel like it's been okay. a lot of time in that cave, and it's time to it's time to come out. Awesome. All right, then. Awesome. Have man. a nice night, man. Take you care. You too, man. Enjoy. Bye. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us for another enlightening conversation here on Bright Brains. I hope you've gained valuable insights and inspiration to fuel your own bright ideas. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to like and subscribe, rate, and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform or however else you listen to this podcast. Also, we can be found on all major social media. Just type in Bright Brains with a Z. And remember, the brightest minds are those that never stop seeking knowledge.